Warning, this podcast contains hot takes, cliched opinions and strong language. Welcome to Records and Back. Welcome along to uh, Records and Bands. I'm Leon. I'm going to do a short on a band that I've happened upon recently that I didn't really know a great deal about. It's Panic at the Disco. Now, I've heard a few bits and bobs of theirs over the years, literally about three tracks I've always liked, but never followed any further. What Change that was a recent release that was getting some airtime on Radio 2. Uh, it was called Don't Let the Light Go Out. It's off their current album, which is called Viva Las Vengeance, released in 2022. It just blew me away, really. Mostly the vocals and the very simplistic arrangement. Now, the vocals are provided by a guy called Brendan Yuri. He's a multi-instrumentalist and the only original member of Panic! at the Disco. He's also got a few side projects on the go, as well as being stable mates with Fallout Boy. Now, the band Panic! at the Disco originated uh, in Las Vegas, Nevada, uh, formed in 2004 by Brendan Urey. Ryan Ross, Spencer Smith, and Brent Wilson, their childhood friends. Current lineup consisting of uh, Brendan Urey and none of the original members uh, now consists of Dan Paulovich, or Pavlovich, however you want to say it, drums, percussion, backing vocals, uh, he's run from 2013 to present, Chris Batista on trumpet, Erm Navarro, trombone, Jesse Malloy, saxophone. Nicole Rowe, bass and backing vocals. Chiara Anna Perico, viola. Leah Metzler, cello. Mike Naran, guitar and backing vocals. Michelle Shin, violin. Jake Sinclair, guitar and backing vocals. Mike Viola, guitar, backing vocals. And Rachel White, guitar, backing vocals. That in itself should um, herald the fact that it's going to be a pretty symphonic arrangement with cellos and saxophones and trumpets and and the like. But what they managed to achieve with that lineup is something that is incredibly symphonic and interesting sonically. The band have had some success from their early albums and I feel that they've always produced something that's listenable and of good quality. I always felt like they, they'd gone under the radar. No one really kind of took to them over in the UK. Not really sure why, because they've explored numerous different sounds, sonic changes, uh, writing methods, and nothing. there's nothing wrong with what they've done. However, if if there's nothing wrong with what they've done... Why are they not massive? Um, and I'll take us back to a, a conversation that Rob and I had in a previous podcast, which is about the um, the possibility that sometimes the songwriting is so good um, and utilising all of the musical knowledge and techniques that some of these people who write these amazing songs put together they 
potentially alienate the general mass music consuming public. So I'm just kind of putting it out there that because of that, they're not going to sell masses and masses of singles and records purely because they are writing something that is challenging rather than it just being a pop song by like someone like, I don't know, Britney Spears or something else. So what you're finding with these guys, I believe, is the ability to write music that is a little bit on the edge of what people accept as pop. So they've been described as everything uh, between Baroque pop, uh, indie pop, chart rock, pop punk, pop rock. So they've got a really wide-reaching sound that covers an awful lot of genres. But what I think they've achieved with Viva Las Vengeance is not necessarily an album that's directly accessible to everybody, but I believe it's a Queen's Night at the Opera achievement. They've done something that a lot of people aren't going to get. And I mean, there's probably an awful lot of people who like Panic at the Disco who've turned around and gone, ooh, this is a bit different to what I'm used to and what I like from Panic at the Disco. But what they've achieved, I believe, with the album is something that is entirely unique and not necessarily of this age. 2022 is is not currently a fantastic year for music. There's a lot of stuff bubbling under, still waiting to re-emerge. I believe there's a resurgence on the way. Um, Seems to be an awful lot of interest around bands who are exploring prog rock again. Um, Now this is... uh, Viva Las Vengeance is incredibly poppy, but also incredibly proggy and also incredibly rocky. So what... What is it that I really like about Viva Las Vengeance? For anybody who knows my tastes and anything that I actually listen to generally, there's always a fantastic vocal. It's rare that I like anything that isn't sung. I'm not a huge fan of screaming metal, um, although I am a massive metal fan. My favourite band, the vocals are sung and a particularly uh, unique style of singing. Lady Gaga, one of my favourite female vocalists, has got an outstanding voice, absolutely best in its field. There's no one else sings, in my opinion, as well as Lady Gaga, absolutely fantastic. We then get to people who just transcend standard vocal range. You've got I don't know, your uh, Mariah Carey's and your Whitney Houston's, Freddie Mercury, even, you know, Noddy Holder, I believe Noddy Holder had a fantastic vocal, incredible range, and I don't think he gets the credit he deserves as a vocalist. Bruce Dickinson, obviously my one of my absolute influences vocally, the list goes on. But Brendan Urie has done something absolutely remarkable. I've I've not heard vocals hit so high with so much clarity and so much vibrato 
in the higher notes when normally that high you're going to lose a bit of control and producing that type of vibrato is not that easy to do. Brendan Yuri is, I would go out on a limb and it's a hot take. Um, I would say he's got to be one of the world's leading vocalists, male vocalists. And listening to this album, you've got to put your head in a space that this guy is going to produce something miraculous. The music is not always easy to access. There's a definitive message throughout the whole album, um, relationships, breakups. I believe each of the tracks has got their own music video and all of these link together to make a a musical whole, uh, a story told from beginning to end. And as such, it's it's amazing. It, it It's just blown me away. I've not heard an album like this that has taken my breath away since Boat on the Sea by Moron Police. Um, Moron Police are very, very different, yet very, very similar to this. Um, the way they create songs and produce melodies over the top of something that you wouldn't normally associate with anything mainstream, but somehow touches on the realms of mainstream. I, I just find it amazing that these people exist under a radar. So, uh, you know, people don't know them. People don't get them, don't understand them. And I just think as a real travesty because they've they've written something amazingly accessible, fun, joyous. There's so much joy in, in the, the arrangements. It's not, there's very little minor key going on. There's an awful lot of uh, playing in the major, um, although there are minor moments. Um, it, it's an incredibly joyous, symphonic album that I think really should be sampled by as many people as can listen to it as possible. For me, there's not a bad song on it. No, nothing. Nothing stands out as being bad in any way. You've got opening track, Viva Last Vengeance, which is an, an absolute banger of an opening track. It's got a flow that really catches you. And straight away, Brendan Urie's vocals hit you like a steam train, absolute juggernaut. It's it's powerful, and when he reaches, when he really pushes the vocal, it tears slightly. There's a bit of crackle. When he's really pushing for clean, it's it's like glass. It's so precise. It's beautiful. Middle of a breakup, he's just, it, it's rock pop. Uh, don't let the lights go out. It's just an, a, a perfect ballad, beautifully written ballad. Local Guard is a ode to all those people who have played in a band or as an instrumentalist and are well known in their local community but never really went on to do anything outside of that so um star spangled banner follows that a uh, banger rather star spangled banger gosh that's about um america obviously but there's a subtext there that's um quite dark that needs to be listened to. That's possibly the weakest song on the album for me, Star Spangled Banger. That is followed by one of my favourites, God Killed Rock and Roll. Just an astonishing vocal achievement. Something within that chorus is... I've, I've not heard vocals like that in, in a very long time. Say it louder. This is a, a, a bit of a... Major, minor, major, minor track. 
um, a bit of happiness, a bit of sadness. Sugar Soaker, the most fun to be had on the album. Just cracking track. It just evokes memories of... And the video portrays it extremely well. Popping around your friend's house, having a few beers, barbecue, having a laugh. And the song oozes that. And it's as I say, it's portrayed in the, the, the video that they've released for that. Something About Maggie is a following track to that. Great song again, beautifully written. Unfortunately, it's overshadowed by the next track, track 10, Sad Claim. The video is a Victorian Baroque masterpiece. <laughs> it's amazing. Just symphonic orchestration, um, rock, pop, just incredible vocals from the lowest range to the highest height. He's singing his absolute balls off and you can hear it in every single note he pushes. A message to loneliness, effectively, which brings us to the closing song, track number 12, Do It To Death. The video for this is inspired. He's basically there saying he can't go on stage, doesn't want to go on stage, doesn't feel like he can do it. Gets pushed out there by management, steps up, produces an absolutely mind-blowing performance um, and subsequently overdoes it on stage. That is my favourite song on the album, as it goes, uh, Do It To Death. Uh, Just, again, Brendan's vocals... Uh, what I find an awful lot with these vocalists who just push boundaries with their voice is that, a la Mariah Carey, you can, if you can sing that high, it doesn't necessarily mean that you should. Um, some people push it too far, some people do it too much, and it eventually becomes boring or just not genuine, not... Um, pleasant to hear you've got to have a cohesive uh, link to everything and just writing something just because you can sing that high is not always a good thing however what uh, panic at the disco do is there is crescendo when it needs crescendo there's quiet when brendan's voice needs to shine the main vocal on its own would be quite piercing uh, and aggressively acidic in places if it wasn't for the fact that the backing vocals are just like the the warmth that some of the vocal arrangements provide with the layered harmonies directly supports Brendan's overarching higher notes and without the support of the band, um, some of the um, symphony arrangements and these backing harmony vocals, it would be very aggressive um, and could put a lot of people off. But it still doesn't distract, detract from the fact that Brendan Urie's vocals are far beyond the majority of male vocalists out there. You could argue that he's, you know, Adam Lambert-esque, and we all know what Adam Lambert went on to do. What what I find startling and quite 
difficult to accept is they've done a version of Into the Unknown, which is the title track single release from Frozen 2. What he does on the Panic at the Disco release is sing it in its original key, which was sung, I believe, by Adina Menzel. That in itself is an astonishing achievement. To sing something that high, which is meant for a female vocal, as a male, and still produce an absolutely awe-inspiring vocal, I've got to say, it's something that I'm not ashamed of. I listen to the soundtrack to Frozen 2, purely and simply because Brendan Yuri is such an amazing vocalist, uh, and the band Panic at the Disco are such an incredible act. I'd heartily recommend you go and listen to Viva Las Vengeance by Panic at the Disco, and while you're about it, pick up a couple of their earlier ones. I write Sins Not Tragedies, which is an incredible song, and kind of got me into them and on on my radar with them but also go and listen to into the unknown their version because he what he does vocally shouldn't be done by a man i don't know how he does it i really don't so yeah go check it out fever last vengeance check out their back catalog and enjoy i've been leon and now i've picked up i picked up a middle name somewhere along the line i'm now leon mickey b bateman from the band frontrunner for Records and Band Podcast. <laughs>